The following message is made available for you by Emmanuel Baptist Church in Mora, Minnesota. For more information, visit us online at www.emmanuelmora.com. If, if we were to take a poll of all the adults here at Emmanuel and asked whether or not you had ever in your life ever had a job that you simply didn't like, uh, I'd be willing to bet that the percentage would be close to 100%. We've all had that that job that we just simply had a hard time at, and we'd probably get a close number to that if we had a follow-up question of, was there ever a job that you disliked because of the person that you worked for, your boss or your employer, your supervisor? And it would be interesting to see how many of us actually quit a job because of uh, a superior employer or supervisor. Uh, The struggle between employee and employer is about as old as the struggle between uh, dogs and cats. And uh, the statistics prove it. According to Leigh Branham, author of a book called The Seven Hidden Reasons Employees Leave, she states that 89% of bosses uh, believe that employees leave in order to get better pay somewhere else. The reality of that is when they polled the employees themselves, they found that only 12% of them leave in order to get better pay. Uh, in an age in which people are uber conscious about safety, uh, the Harvard Business Review revealed that 58% of workers said that they trust complete strangers more than their employers. Uh, a recent survey uh, on the job site monster.com revealed that 76% of job seekers blamed having what they called a toxic boss as the reason for their new seeking of, uh, of new employment. And while it's true that there will always be struggles between the employers and employees, if we are in Christ, we are obligated to honor our bosses, whether or not they are good or bad, or whether they are Christians or they are not Christians. We're starting to round third base here in 1 Timothy, and Paul is getting, as he's getting closer to his conclusion, uh, he is instructing Timothy on how to pastor the church at Ephesus in very, very practical ways. And uh, these past uh, couple sections, we've been looking very closely at Paul's unique concern for the obligation of the church to take care of various populations within the church, whether it be uh, widows and orphans or those who are most vulnerable within the church or whether it be the leaders that we looked at uh, last week. And now in our very brief passage today, only two verses, Paul wants to instruct the members at Ephesus uh, that how they conduct their lives in the church is just as important as how they conduct themselves outside of the church walls, in the home, and especially in the workplace. The workforce struggle that we have today uh, was no different uh, than then, and, and how Christians behave at work and how they treat their employers is of utmost importance when we're talking about displaying the character of God Uh, We're talking about the display of the gospel of God as well as the care for God's people for those people who are in positions of authority. So let's look at the passage and then we're only going to look at two ways in which we are called to honor 
uh, those who have authority over us in the, in, uh, in the workplace. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 1, Paul writes, All who are under the yoke as slaves should regard their own masters as worthy of all respect, so that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. Let those who have believing masters not be disrespectful to them because they are brothers, but serve them even better since those who benefit from their service are believers and are dearly loved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would help us in our brief time this morning uh, to be consistent Christians, that we would be uh, people of God who care deeply for your word, who care deeply for uh, the world that you've created, and that we would display the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, both here at the church, in the workplace, in the home, and every place that, uh, that you call us to be, God. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. So we need to be consistent Christians. Uh, we need to, uh, to do certain things in order to show uh, the world that, that, uh, that Christ matters in our lives, especially in the workplace. And let's break them down in two distinct ways. The first is, is that we ought to honor unbelieving bosses. We ought to honor unbelieving bosses. Uh, perhaps you were a bit uh, put off by this text uh, that I had just read a, a moment ago, and for a couple of reasons. Uh, maybe you looked at this text and you thought, wow, uh, this, this text is dealing with, with slavery. And you'd be right in your observation of that. Um, and maybe you are a bit concerned because this text doesn't seem to condemn slavery, uh, but rather it, it, it instructs the slaves to uh, submit and respect their masters. And that, uh, that's a bit repulsive. Uh, second, you might be troubled by thinking that I am... Um, that I am trivializing slavery by equating it with modern-day employment. That somehow I'm not recognizing the plight of slaves and instead doing an injustice to them uh, by trivializing it in such a way. And those are legitimate concerns. Those are things that our hearts ought to be thinking about when we come to texts like this. But history provides us with good reasons why we can apply this to our modern context. First of all, as American citizens in the 21st century, um, when we think about slavery, our minds automatically retreat to uh, pre-Civil War and colonial uh, slavery in the slave trade. We've been conditioned that way, and for good reason. Uh, the slave trade is a stain on our nation's history. Uh, the way that some humans who were created in the image of God were, were treated and brutalized and and looked at as uh, more or less livestock uh, is, is atrocious. And we should look back in disgust and sadness and how uh, some of these people were treated, uh, in, especially in the South. Um, and especially how some of these slave masters would use the Bible to justify their actions. But as careful historians, we need to distinguish the fact that Slavery looked different in different places in the world at different times. Uh, when it comes to slavery, not every form is equal in its, in its scope and its matter and its structure and its brutality. Uh, so we're not comparing apples to apples here. Uh, in ancient Rome, slavery was nothing like the kind of slavery that we saw here in the American colonies. Uh, I'm not saying that it was right. I'm simply saying that it's different. 
And here's how it's different. Uh, in the New Testament times, slavery was not based on ethnicity. It was not based on skin color. It often came out of a, in a, uh, a voluntary basis from economic necessity. Many people who were slaves in Rome sold themselves into slavery in order to pay off debts or in order to learn a, a trade. Many slaves were highly skilled workers such as teachers and lawyers and doctors and nurses. Uh, slaves in ancient Rome were typically considered members of the household with certain benefits and, and security that came uh, with that. Slavery was actually one way in which someone could gain citizenship in the Roman Empire. Uh, in this way, it was beneficial to the poor. And in fact, uh, many slaves in Rome were freed by the time that they were 30. They had saved up enough in order to purchase their freedom, and, and most slave owners had let them go after 30. And, and most interestingly, many slaves in ancient Rome actually owned other slaves. What that looks like, I have no idea. But to show the vast uh, spread of how big of a deal this was in the Roman Empire, uh, historians estimate that up to 50 to 60 million people were slaves during this time, which made up one-third of the entire population of the Roman Empire. That is a lot of people. Does this make it right? No. It doesn't make it right. Obviously, they didn't uh, have free rights, and some of them had masters that were, that were very harsh. Slaves were vulnerable to physical and sexual abuse. And when we look at the contours of history, we find that whenever and wherever Christianity has come against slavery, slavery has uh, been abolished and taken down. But when we look at slavery through the lens of history, especially in the context that Paul writes here, it's easier now to equate uh, what God is telling the church at Ephesus to what he is telling the church in Mora, Minnesota. In verse 1, Paul writes this, All who are under the yoke as slaves should regard their own masters as worthy of all respect, so that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. So this yoke was a wooden beam that would typically go between two oxen when they were out in the fields. And it was a tool that would help them to, uh, to pull the, the, the weight of what they were doing, whether it be a plow behind them or whether it be lumber that they are carrying to a certain destination. It was the tool by which they were doing their work. Uh, unless we are retired, or too young to work, or, or maybe disabled, every one of us is under some form of, of this sort of yoke. Maybe it's a computer. Maybe it is uh, a, uh, a drill press. Maybe it's a calculator. Maybe it is a, it's a broom. The point is that we all have work, and those who are employed, Paul says, should regard their employer as worthy of all respect. And since Paul uses this word regard, it ought to uh, imply that there are some employers, masters, however you want to look at this, that in and of themselves would not normally be worthy of any sort of honor or respect. They're not kind. They're not gracious. In fact, a, a Zipia survey of 2,000 employees ranked the top 13 traits of, uh, of 
uh, bosses' behaviors that led people to quit their jobs. And they rank from lazy, laziness to inappropriate um, uh, advancements, uh, or uh, perhaps they have bad tempers, they were self-serving, poor listeners, not having empathy, incompetent, condescending, rude, unavailable, and micromanagers among the, the top 13. And many of us can hear some of those words and we say, ha, you know what, I've been there. I've served a boss or two that's incompetent. I've served a boss or two that may have been rude. However, Paul says here on God's authority that even if they fit that profile, as, as Christians, we are to regard them with all respect and treat them as such. More than likely, Paul is making reference here to uh, masters that were unbelievers, uh, in our case, bosses, who were not Christian, whether by profession of uh, faith or whether by their, their, their behavior. We need to show them honor and respect, and this means swallowing our pride. It means doing our work to the best of our ability. It means going above and beyond uh, maybe the things that we're even asked to do. We are, it means uh, that when we go to work, we work as if Jesus is our boss. In fact, Paul writes this in, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, where he says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For some of you, this may be the hardest thing that you do every single day. Living for Christ is not easy. But when Christ calls us, he is not calling us to an easy life. But he's calling us to a good life. And this is what is good. Does it mean that it's wrong to look for another job? Absolutely not. But while you are in the position that you are in, you are to honor your boss in all ways. And why are we to do this? Paul gives us two reasons. Uh, the first uh, we find in verse 1 where it says, All who are under the yoke as slaves should regard their own masters as worthy of respect, so that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. So we give our, our, our unbelieving employers respect first so that God's name isn't tarnished. So that his reputation is, is known as good. As believers, the light of the gospel should not be hidden under a basket. It shouldn't be uh, not able to be seen. And if we gossip or we complain about or maybe if we argue, uh, with the one that, uh, that we work for, it is going to say something to them about the God that we serve. When we talk about God's character, uh, his name, we are talking about his character, his identity, his manner and such. His name is his reputation. And if we are working in a lazy way or an argumentative way or not showing respect in the way we should, then we're harming the reputation of the Lord to him or her and our co-workers. Uh, there was this Roman uh, senator and lawyer whose name was Cicero, and he wrote, uh, he was a very influential writer uh, back in the Roman day, and he wrote that 
uh, slaves who dabbled in foreign um, religions, uh, it was believed that they would turn against their masters and overthrow the social order. So if these Christian, these slaves are becoming Christians, and all of a sudden they start becoming disrespectful to their boss, then everything that the, Rome, that the Romans believed about slaves looking at other religions would be verified. And when that is verified, then there's a problem with the gospel proclamation throughout the Roman Empire. In the same way, our bosses, our co-workers, and the world are watching us. They are looking for us to be representatives of who Jesus is. How we work and how we treat our employers might either confirm or even deny what they already have preconceived about the Lord himself. So we're also to respect our, uh, our employers so that our theology would be consistent and not disregarded as hypocrisy. We want to witness not only our lives, but also the gospel to draw people to Christ. And if people reject the gospel, they ought to reject the gospel based on rejecting the truth of what the gospel says rather than how we behave or how we speak. As hard as it is, we need to strive to honor our bosses for the sake of the gospel as well as the sake of our souls. And second, we need to honor believing bosses as well. We need to honor Christian bosses. It would be great if we didn't have to have a point like this. It would be uh, wonderful if this was just assumed and 100% of the time uh, Christians are working in a Christian environment that things would go very smoothly and respectfully. Uh, but that's not always uh, the case. Sin is still a reality in our lives and, it, and it, uh, it affects how we treat our employers, even our Christian employers. It is not uncommon to hear bad stories about Christian companies, how they treat their employees and how Christian employees treat their employers. And it appears that it's always been that way. Look with me in verse 2. Paul writes, Let those who have believing masters not be disrespectful uh, to them because they're brothers, but serve them even better since those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved. So, We've been talking in the last uh, number of weeks about how the, the church is indeed a family. That when we come to trust in Christ, we are adopted by the living God, and we are uh, very literally brothers and sisters in the Lord. That those who you are sitting across the aisle from right now, you are closer to in the Lord than you are even flesh and blood relatives that do not know the Lord. And when a believer owns a business and hires someone from the church, or maybe even a Christian uh, from the church down the street, uh, there can be a tendency on the part of the employee to potentially uh, want to take advantage of the Christian boss because, well, you know, this is, my, this is my brother. You know, he'll let it slide because it's a family thing. Tension ensues and problems arise. And, and I have known of a number of situations in which problems happen in the church because of things that happened in the workplace. In, uh, in New Testament times, slaves may not have been equal to each other in the world, 
with their masters, but in the church, slaves had absolute equality with their masters, who were their brothers and sisters. Added to this, the word service here usually describes a donation given by some wealthy benefactor. In God's economy, notice how these things are completely reversed. It's not as if there is a hierarchy of honor and respect within the church. Everybody is absolutely equal. This had to affect the workplace. Paul uh, says that we're to be respectful over those in authority because they are truly our brothers and sisters. As a family, we are not to think of ourselves, but we are to regard what is best for our brother and sister. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. It's one thing to look out for yourself when you are working in an unbelieving environment. How much more difficult is it to not be selfish here as well? If we're to treat our worldly employees with utmost respect, Paul says that we are to treat our believing employers with even more. And what's the reason for this? Well, verse 2 uh, goes on to tell us what the reason is for this. Uh, Paul says, since those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved. An employment situation should be one in which both people benefit. The employee gets a decent wage and can live comfortably. The boss is successful and makes the company succeed. It's a win-win. In the mind of the employee, yes, we want to feed our families. Yes, we want to be able to pay the mortgage. Yes, we want to be able to have uh, clothes that are, are warm for this upcoming winter. But how many of us have also added the, 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 the caveat that our employment is also to help our employer win? Is to help them succeed. How much of a happy happy place and a God-honoring place can the workplace be if it operated in that way? How much more peaceful can the church be when people who work together in the community get along in such a way that it's reflected here when we meet together? Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How delightfully good when brothers live in harmony together. This is for both the church and it's for the workplace. You know, when we uh, think about work, we tend to look at it negatively. We tend to think that uh, uh, when it comes to work, it's only just a means to an end. So we can pay the mortgage, uh, maybe get some groceries, some clothes, uh, and maybe even some pocket money, or maybe some retirement money. But you and I were created to work Sin has, has affected that in our view and, and made it so that we are now pitted against those that we work for. But what if we reoriented our minds and renewed our thoughts and believed that, we, that our vocation was the very place where we were called to do our ministry? What if God put you wherever you are making money 
or wherever you are serving in order to be the ministry that is unique for you? What if our work's purpose was, uh, was not only to feed our families, but also to help a believing spouse bring glory to God? It is time to bring Christ to the workplace. And so the one thought that we need to leave from here today is think about two ways. What, one or two ways. What can you do tomorrow when you go to work in which you can make the gospel shine bright with your employer, whether it is a believer or whether it is an unbeliever? It's time to take Christ into the workplace. Let's go there together. You have been listening to a message from Emmanuel Baptist Church in Moore, Minnesota. You are welcome to pass this message along to others, but please don't charge for it or alter it in any way without written permission from Emmanuel Baptist Church. This message has been made available by the generous supporters of Emmanuel Baptist Church. For additional information about how you can partner with Emmanuel, please visit us at www.emmanuelmora.com. There you will find more free messages and links to ministry opportunities to help you grow in your faith. If you are watching on YouTube, please click the subscribe button to always receive the latest messages. Thanks again for listening. Emmanuel Baptist Church, Mora, Minnesota. Knowing Christ and making Him known.